They are absolutely, totally, and completely obsessed with the police. All you got to do is turn on your television to know this about the left. It's practically an around-the-clock obsession. That the news is basically what they fill the space with in between shootings of young black men or anything, quite frankly, they can use against police departments. The obsession is almost all-consuming. The only other kinds of shootings they care about are ones they can use to disarm the general population. They're obsessed with defunding the police. Or are they? Once you understand what they really want, all this coverage and propaganda begins to make sense. And it's not to defund the police. It has nothing to do with race, either. Those of you who listened to my Wednesday, April 14th podcast, What Kills More Unarmed People, Lightning Strikes or Police, know that. The numbers are astonishing when you pull them from the Washington Post database. A total of eight, yes, just eight, unarmed black males who were fleeing police were killed in all of 2020. Thirteen white males fleeing from, not fleeing from police who were unarmed, were killed. That's a total of 21. More Americans were killed last year by champagne corks exploding out of champagne bottles than unarmed people, black or white, were killed by police. The numbers are absolutely tiny. In fact, just 55 unarmed people in total were killed by police across the country. Only 18 of them were black. That's not an epidemic, as I explained on that podcast which is loaded with great figures like that and how you can find them yourself. So this isn't about that. What is it about? It's obviously an all-consuming obsession for the left. No, it's not about defunding the police at all. It's about replacing them. And once you understand that, everything going on in America and the constant obsession with it by the liberal media begins to make sense. What they want is a police force that answers to Washington in general and to the Democrat Party in particular. They've already got that in the FBI. You'll notice that it's odd, isn't it, that the one largest law enforcement agency in the entire country, an agency absolutely rife with racist history, is the only one they're not protesting. That's because the FBI already answers to them, persecutes for them participates in politics by putting its thumb on the scale for them, harasses their enemies. But we'll get to the FBI in a minute, the one agency that they not only don't complain about and never protest, the agency that is a model for what they want the rest of policing in the country to look like. How do we know this? I've been following this since back in the Obama regime when they began angling for control of some sort of national police force. It dropped my jaw on the campaign trail when Obama said he created he hoped to create a force as large as the military, a civilian corps. That wasn't mentioned too much again. Then he convened the 21st Century Task Force on Policing, staffed it with liberal blue city mayors. And here's what they came up with. It's the blueprint for what they want it to look like. They just haven't entirely figured out how to get there yet. Among its recommendations, all police officers would eventually be federally trained. And the federal government would take over policing by funding it. What city would turn that down? Free funding for police? In the meantime, as an interim step, all the top brass and management in police departments would be trained by the federal government. They even planned 
to federalize the 911 system and connect it countrywide. But Republicans controlled Congress for a lot of the Obama administration. And so they had to content themselves with what are called consent decrees. What they started doing was suing police departments for supposed racism, particularly those in which black people had been shot by police. In almost every city, a black person eventually will be. So the Justice Department would sue them. Most cities can't afford these lawsuits. They cost millions and millions of dollars to defend. So they settle with the Justice Department. What happens when you settle? The agreement's always the same. Justice Department attorneys literally move into your police department. Every major command decision has to be run by them. The Obama administration had gotten pretty far in its takeover of police departments this way. Some liberal city departments volunteered to be taken over. But when Jeff Sessions came in, about the only useful thing Rip Van Sessions did under the Trump administration was to tear up all those agreements, leaving the left back at square one. Look, to understand everything the left is doing right now, you have to understand it's all one issue. It doesn't matter if it's policing or immigration or H.R. 1 with supposed voting reform. It's all one issue. How does the left achieve complete control at the ballot box so they can never win again and then subdue the states that inevitably rebel? And they know the states will rebel. Everything is part of that plan. When you see it all as one issue, because for the Democrats, there is only one issue. They are this close to complete authoritarian power. That's why they're running the voter drive right now on the border. But they know that merely controlling the country from the ballot box that, you know, Republicans can never win at. Again, it's not enough. They're going to have to subdue the country. And they know for certain that right now the National Guard and our sheriffs and our police, by and large, don't answer to them. That's a problem. They've been trying to remedy it since the Obama administration. Coming up next, I'll tell you what they're doing now so you could recognize it as the bits and pieces of it come at you through the television. They're all connected. Across the board, Democrat leaders have one consistent message about policing, no matter how they sell it. Policing in its current form is so racist, so repeat with injustice, that it must be ended and changed into something new. These same Democrats know defunding doesn't work. The goal of defunding is to not not have police. It's to create such crime, misery, and chaos that the people beg for something, anything, to end it. And then to replace what formerly were the police with people more to their liking. Those whose policing has an overtly political tone. One that only sees it their way. As proof of this... More than a dozen cities now have defunded the police with disastrous results. Crime hikes are typically in the 100% increase range. Take Oakland. They cut their police budget in half for social justice purposes. What happened with homicides? Over a 200% increase. Guess what they did this week? Voted unanimously, even though they're all liberal, to replace the funding. So what are they actually angling for? What might it look like? It'll sound a lot like this. From Fox News today. A California city created an agency of unarmed civilians to handle routine traffic stops. Berkeley is trying to make traffic enforcement fair, apparently. How's this going to work, Claudia? 
You know, this idea is being talked about a lot in progressive cities across the country, but Berkeley, California is moving ahead with a plan to have unarmed civilians enforce speeding and traffic laws instead of police. The city council has approved a whole new transportation agency called BerkDOT, which supporters say will make routine traffic stops more equitable. Rather than commenting publicly, Berkeley PD has released pictures highlighting recent traffic stops that have led to big busts of drugs, cash, and even loaded weapons. While dash cam videos are a stark reminder that traffic enforcement is dangerous work, even for officers with guns, let alone unarmed civilians. BerkDOT is expected to begin sometime next year, Dana, and when it does, a lot of other cities will be taking notes. Back to you. I'm sure this will end very well. Thank you, Claudia. For the left, this is the oldest trick in the book. They do it in several ways, like in Venezuela, where they passed a law after the socialists came to power, confiscating all the guns, allegedly to make the country safer. Of course, crime spun out of control, but they didn't give them back, at least not for a while. Not until the citizens were in full rebellion about two years ago, when they redistributed the guns. Suddenly, it was perfectly safe to have guns. Except they only gave them to party loyalists. Ostensibly, they were given out because people, who of course were starving by then, were robbing food trucks out of desperation and breaking into zoos and killing the animals there for food. So, to maintain peace, loyalists to the party were given the guns. What came next? The death squads. Yep, as reported by the New York Times. This is what they always do in their regimes. You can already see at least some of the folks they intend to be in charge. They're already policing the streets in places like Portland, where liberal mayor Ted Wheeler allowed Antifa, I kid you not, to make car stops, threaten and extort drivers. The actual police were held back and not allowed to do anything about it. Antifa social justice warriors starting in 2018 began taking over federal buildings. They took over and occupied the ICE building for a few months. Last week, they actually took the ICE building again, this time barricading the doors to it to prevent the officers inside from escaping before throwing Molotov cocktails through the window in an attempt to murder them by locking them inside a burning building. This is who will be in charge when the police are defanged and don't have weapons. That is in cities where these folks aren't put directly into some sort of civilian corps patrol badge. Remember civilian corps? Yep. Obama's idea. That'll work in blue cities just fine. In fact, you're already seeing it there. It changes everything about justice. The best example of that this week was the city council member in New Brooklyn, who said that she had voted to fire the city manager for suggesting that the police officer who shot an unarmed man accidentally with what she thought was her taser. Yeah, remember them when the city manager said that he would give her due process before deciding whether to fire her? The guy, by the way, the city manager, was black. It didn't matter. City council immediately voted to fire him. One of the city council members later said that she didn't want to fire him. He was doing a great job. It's just she was afraid of the mob, so she had to vote for it anyway. This is exactly how policing will work in the future. Fear of a mob that answers to the party, to the liberal left Democrat party, absolute terror of it, to the point of literally jury and city council intimidation, influence over what they do 
out of terror, but nobody to call to protect you. But again, that's blue cities. You can already see this blueprint developing there. What about red ones? The places people would quickly run from this kind of environment. Red cities aren't going to go along with this unarmed civilian corps patrol. So what do you do? They got a plan for that, too. One of the first bills filed even before the January 6th trespassing incident at the Capitol would remember, I mentioned it all the time because this is the real deal, would create an agency inside the Department of Homeland Security staffed by the FBI. It would background check every single law enforcement officer in the entire country for supposed extremism. That's Trump supporters is what they mean by that. Every sheriff's deputy from the smallest city to the biggest town. They already performed this background check for absolutely no reason on the National Guard. And they're planning to do it with the military. Which, as the blog The Conservative Treehouse pointed out earlier this week, is in preparation for perhaps using it on American soil. First, you got to vet it. You got to put a note in the folder of everybody who wouldn't be down for that. That means going way beyond normal vetting procedures, as they've already announced they are, and checking them for extremism, i.e. partisan affiliation. Now, don't let all this stress you out, folks. Understand, I do these podcasts not to scare you or even to predict the future. I have no idea if any of this will come to anything. I want you to understand what they're doing so that when you watch the TV, you can understand the purpose of the rhetoric, the overwhelming, all-consuming, round-the-clock rhetoric, most of it filled with lies. There is a purpose. Clearly, the Democrats are anticipating two things, that their agenda would get so radical that states would do what the founders said they could do, nullify, simply begin to ignore what comes out of Washington, from Congress, from the president, and yes, even from the Supreme Court that they plan to pack. They've anticipated this for years. They knew their agenda was too radical for the American people to stomach, even for fellow Democrats to stomach. They've been preparing for it in a myriad of ways. And the armament is truly shocking once you understand the level of it. Like this from RealClearPolicy.com, a left-wing site. 76 non-military, non-law enforcement federal agencies stockpile weaponry. This has been going on since the Obama era. In fact, it started in 2015. But it's the speed at which they're doing it that is so shocking. You could find this data in a report called Militarization of the U.S. Executive Agencies. And in just four years, between 2015 and 2019, the latest year available... These agencies, all 76 of them, spent a billion dollars on guns, ammo, and military-style equipment. These don't count anything the military did. These are all non-DOD, non-military agencies. It's staggering. They include the IRS, the EPA, the Social Security Administration, the Department of Education. There are now 200,000 non-Department of Defense federal employees with these firearms. That's a greater number than the 186,000 U.S. Marines. And this, as the Democrats try to end private gun control, the people of Venezuela or Cuba would know exactly what was going on if you laid out these facts for them. What is this? An army. A military. To replace what they theoretically, constitutionally can't use on our soil. 
the actual military. Why are they arming them and stockpiling guns, ammo, and military equipment like this? Because they know that overwhelmingly federal agency employees are loyal to them. And they anticipate the kind of rebellion that's already beginning as states float legislation to become sanctuary states for guns, for a whole lot of other stuff as well. If you want to know what the world they're trying to create would look like, you need only to look at the one police agency they have no complaints about ever, the FBI. That's because they're in lockstep with the FBI, an FBI that has become completely politicized along with the DOJ. The FBI, for those who don't know, is actually the law enforcement arm of the Department of Justice. And I'm not the only one noticing the change. Politico, the left-wing publication, just did a piece on it. It's staggering. The headline is leniency for defendants in Portland cases. That's Antifa. In Portland, in Portland clashes could affect capital riot cases. And Politico lays out the shocking contrast between how peaceful January 6th trespassers who, yes, broke the law by trespassing but committed no other crime are being treated compared to violent Antifa rioters who literally attempted to kill police officers and and federal police officers while attacking federal buildings. Again, these things are identical. A federal building is the federal building. It's the federal government. It doesn't matter if it's on Portland soil or if it's on D.C. DC soil. But even Politico is pointing out the problem here that the FBI and the DOJ are creating. Dozens of January 6th protesters have now been arrested on nothing other than interfering with police charges for trespassing in the Capitol, many of whom just wandered in the building because the doors were open and no one stopped them. They have had their homes raided and they're facing between 30 and 55 years in prison, including pregnant mothers. Well, politicos notice this. They write, in recent weeks, prosecutors have approved deals. This is federal prosecutors. In at least half a dozen federal felony cases arising from riots between protesters and law enforcement in Oregon last summer. The deals, called deferred resolution agreements, leave the defendants with a clean criminal record if they stay out of trouble for a period of time, complete a modest amount of community service, according to defense attorneys and court records. These are felony charges by the federal government, by the way. Five of the Portland cases in which these deals were recently struck involved felony charge. There you go. Of interfering with police during civil disorder. Some defendants are accused of punching or jumping on police officers during street battles. And in some cases, it gets worse. One individual was charged after being accused of shining a high powered green laser into the eyes of officers trying to disperse a riot. In other words, to blind them. Alexandra Uten is a perfect example of one of the left-wing militants who got this deal. She used a wooden shield and hoses to strike Portland police officers in the head while he was trying to make an arrest. Several riot suspects are accused of using riot shields to shove police or obstruct their efforts to secure the building. And then there's Alexa Darren Graham. She was indicted in September on a federal felony charge of pointing a laser at a small plane that the Portland Police Bureau flew during the unrest in an attempt to blind the pilot and bring it down. She got that deal. That's right. Her charges will be dismissed in December if she complies with the terms of her agreement. Again, this is the Justice Department, not the local uh, police. Now, let's contrast that 
with what the FBI is doing to the January 6th protesters. We'll start with Victoria White. She's a single mom of four. She volunteered for the Trump victory campaign and helped organize Back the Blue and 9-11 memorial events. So she's practically guilty already. She was at the demonstration at the Capitol. But even the FBI charging documents admit that she actually tried to stop two other rioters who were attempting to break the glass on the Capitol building. And the FBI even admits in the video, White can be heard yelling at them, telling them to stop. She physically attempted to pull them away from the glass. Does this sound like a violent rioter? She's not. And even the FBI admits that. They charged her because they say that she attempted to grab an officer's shield. Their big smoking gun against her was actually just an attempt, she says, to protect herself from getting hit. Whatever the case, she's not even using a shield. She's got no laser. She tried to hurt no one. She just tried to grab the shield. Anybody care to guess how many years she's facing right now? 55 in prison. The hectic scene led to an officer striking White in the head with a metal baton. She responded by reminding the officer he took an oath to the Constitution and that he was what he was doing was uncalled for. The officer called her a starts with B, ends with H, and hit her again and again. The third strike caused her to bleed from her head. See the left complaining about this woman being beaten by the police. Nope, nobody cares. On Thursday, April 8th, her home was surrounded by the FBI. She was arrested. Her street blocked off when her daughters were home. And she was charged with six offenses. She can't leave the state until her trial. Her social media was taken. They attempted to silence her. She's one of so many just like this. Many are less likely Lucky, they're being held with no bond, again, just on disturbing the police charges, like Felicia Canold of Arizona. She went to the Capitol, too. She didn't realize it was a protest, she says, when she followed the crowd of fellow Trump supporters to the Capitol. The door to the building was open. And, folks, we've seen video of this on Fox. It's open. The police are standing there. They're not stopping anybody. The door to the building was open, and police seem to be allowing people inside. We've seen this. In fact, we've seen them on Fox in the the real video that they run, and there's police just standing there talking to the protesters peacefully. Nobody's asking anybody to leave. She was kind and friendly to the police, left quickly when she was told that people were not supposed to be there. The FBI dispute none of this. They're not charging her with anything violent. When the arrest of Capitol rioters started, she assumed she was okay. After all, she did no harm. She thought people who were being arrested were the ones who were violent or engaged in vandalism. Not peaceful people like her. But a month after the protest, she was yanked for her from her bed at night at gunpoint by the FBI. Her street was blocked off, too, and crowded with unmarked vehicles. Her small mobile home was raided, and a two-page-long list of her belongings was seized. She was four months pregnant at the time. They've actually let her out with a monitoring bracelet, but they took her social media accounts as well. The local media has smeared her as an insurrectionist. Again, is she charged with anything violent? Nope. Anything regarding vandalism? No. She's been charged with conspiracy, civil disorder, obstruction of an official proceeding, knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building on or grounds without lawful authority and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. The charges, if she gets the max, 55 years. So even Politico's asking, why aren't people like this getting the deal actual violent Antifa riders have gotten? 
why are Antifa rioters being allowed to lock federal agents in federal buildings like the ICE building last week, hurl Molotov cocktails inside and then bar the doors in an attempt to murder and burn them alive? I don't know. But what I do know is this. The FBI is the only federal agency that the left doesn't seem to have a beef with. Why? Because this is exactly what they want law enforcement to look like. Imagine what it will be like in the future to just go to a protest on the Hill. You'd be terrified you'd be arrested. People have had the FBI show up on their doors. We've documented in previous podcasts simply for being in D.C. on that day. Nowhere near any of the speeches or the riots. How does the FBI know they were there? Remember, they got the F- they got the uh, Bank of America to allow them to search bank accounts for any evidence of buying plane tickets, uh, purchasing guns, or travel of any kind to D.C., even if they had no suspicion whatsoever that person took place in anything that happened there. That's the future the left wants. That's what all the propaganda coming out of your television is geared toward. I wanted you to understand it so that when you hear it, you'll know where they're going. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Battleground America podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded friends and family everywhere so they'll know what's actually going on in America.